0: and welcome to season five of business book talk hope you're going to enjoy this new season i'm really excited about it i'm sure you will really enjoy some of the books that we have planned so let's get on with the show hi everybody i've got promotional marketing how to create implement and integrate campaigns that really work i've got roddy mullen on the line roddy thanks for coming on the show today
1: i'm absolutely delighted and i'm really looking forward to this
0: We had a great preamble before we got going on the show, but before we get started and dig right down, let's define the word promotional marketing.
1: Actually, it's any form of marketing which has a promotional objective. That is where you require some action by the person at the, the, the shop or something. If you're putting out a marketing communication which requires an action by the recipient, then uh, that's called promotional marketing. Now that's a new definition produced by the Institute of Promotional Marketing. I um, sales promotion was what I used to write it out, and of course that's now defined as promotion in store or at mm. the point of sale. Mm. Whereas promotional marketing, I actually have a problem with this because I actually think very little marketing is actually non-promotional. I've, I've struggled to find non-promotional. Uh, marketing. I, if you produce an advert, and I found a couple. Uh, for example, here, you may have heard um, there's a lot of uh, discussion about whether we should have another runway at Heathrow or Gatwick and so on. And there's quite a bit of advertising going around now just saying we need a third runway at Heathrow or we need a second runway at Gatwick doesn't actually require the person when seeing these adverts to do anything. And, mm. and I think, you know, that that sh- is probably non-promotional marketing the rest is all supposed to be promotional
0: well you know there there's several types of and I, and I hate the word market I like i like to call it communication because if you've got a, a great product and uh, you really think it has benefits to people then really what you're trying to do is educate and tell people look at here are your choices Figure it out. And uh, we were talking a lot uh, a little bit earlier about the difference about the the consuming market where they're very well informed and the traditional uh, salesperson's role has changed radically. So I'd love to talk to you about that.
1: Yes. um, I I have, again, listening to the broadcasts of your previous uh, uh, people that you've interviewed. Mm. I find that the the the, there's perhaps a little bit of muddle. I think that there are probably what you describe as four kinds of sale, of which um, two really involve salesmen. And um, one of them is the concierge type that you had described before. Mm. Let me just go through them. Yes there is, um, there, there are where you need no salesperson at all is in a supermarket, a DIY place, a hardware shop, a bookshop. No one expects um, a, a salesman there. And we would call uh, CTNs here, com- uh, confectioner tobacconist, news agent. you know, the corner shop, mm. you're not expected to go in there and expect to be have a salesman tell you anything. Now, then you have impulse purchases. We have quite a lot of shops here where you can buy things instantly and people don't care. I made a mistake. I bought the wrong pair of socks, ties, knickers, things like that. Just commodities. We just, you know, pay the money. Oh, sugar, I made a mistake. You don't fuss. Then you have what I call the high ticket. You call it concierge or one of your speakers called it concierge, Mm. where actually the shopper goes to a great deal of trouble to find out about everything um, about the product and probably knows more when buying a car, uh, when buying um, a house, you know. I mean, the, they, they really research their market, or high-tech items, audios, videos, cameras, etc. And so that's what the the third kind. The fourth is what I call real salesmanship, where you have somebody uh, who is actually helping people buy clothes, fashion items, shoes, uh, furniture, white goods, um personal items, you know, hair, uh, ideas and so on. And, of course, trade shows, which I covered earlier that I said that, you know, I train a lot of people for um, uh, of my clients to sell at trade shows to the retail. So mm-hmm. no, no consumers and stoppers there. But they're just and that does that sort of give you some idea?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people don't think of the breadth of what these the responsibilities of the salespeople are and i think a lot of managers are out there have no idea and they say oh we just need another salesperson and they they really don't know what they're asking for and they get the wrong people in the wrong position and basically uh, ticking off uh, their clientele
1: yes yes i, I um believe a salesperson um, has to really know how people buy here we call that shopper marketing and um, what, what you do is you've got to get the salesman to match the buying process. Mm. Um, so, so I would say, what, how does somebody buy? They, idea, they have an idea, they identify, define, specify what they're looking for, and then they search for it, then they evaluate and select. And, of course, that's where a salesman can get in with experiential um, and other kinds of brand experience item. Mm. And then, of course, they will actually make the purchase and then they monitor what they have bought you know does it work does it do anything so when you look at it the other side of it you look at the what can the salesman do the salesman first of all has got to fact find and qualify is this somebody who's got the money to buy Is he's ready to buy you know i mean he's uh, the kind of place they live in if you're selling furniture and so on the next thing you need to know is where in the buying process are there and now this is quite changed because they you want to know have they looked on the internet? Have they looked at our website, other websites? Have they been on social media to find out or gone word of mouth, whom has they heard from, etc.? And then are they visiting other outlets, other shops? You know, And if they haven't, then you need to push them off to do that because they won't um, otherwise buy from you, making them offer, of course. And you can give them literature. What you're looking for is to get them to the tipping point where you can just clinch the deal. You can make a sales close. And, of course, in this day and age, you probably need a promotion at the same time. It doesn't have to be percentage money off, but you may have to do that. But you look for... Things like free delivery, I can offer that, or insurance, or anyway, you throw in something, you know, have a couple of sets of cushions for your new sofa you're buying. But you're you're really trying to build a relationship before you attempt to sales close. Mm. Does that give you sort of a feel for how I view sales?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, viewing... Uh well done sales. And, uh, you know, the, I've known some classic salespeople, and I think the best salespeople in the world are the amiable ones, the ones that uh, you really feel uh, that this person's here to help me and not just fob off whatever he can to make his commission.
1: <laughs> You're so right, actually. And, and um, the, the research we've done... I have actually um, written a sec- an- another book came out at the same time. Mm. I'll mentioned mention it. it's called Shoponomics. And in that book, we did research the difference between marketing people, salespeople, and how much they knew about the shopper. And I'm afraid to say, we find they were really out of touch. Mm. The, the figures well. are in that book and so on. Mm. Amazingly... Um, we found that 61% of retailers in UK never assess any of their communication effectiveness. So, um, and only 22% analyze their customers. It's it's unbelievable, really. Hmm. But, um, oh, another point on sales, your, chat, your piece, somebody was mentioning there's still turf wars in the USA between hmm. sales and marketing. I'm afraid the same is here. We do still have turf wars, but it's sad because actually, as I see it, marketing... If it works, um, you get long-term relationships, you get repeat purchases and so on, where sales tend to re- look at the short-term, but they must achieve the tipping point. And that is something that I feel is so important, and I'm happy to go further and explain that if you need it.
0: Yeah, I think – yeah, exactly. We'll get to the tipping point of the tipping point. Uh... I love that term tipping point because really what it is is it, 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 it so eloquently describes it's not one thing. It's many, many, many small things that gets a person to, okay, now I'm ready to make a decision. I'm ready to move forward. And classically in, in, in uh, automobile sales, you'll get a person to agree on the price. And then the, the good salesperson will say, that's fantastic. But, but before you leave how about you uh, consider this and consider that? Because they've already made the purchase, they're kind of in the buying mood and psychologically it's easier for them to, uh, to make that decision again and that's when they make all their profit. It's like, okay, we'll get the undercarriage and yes, I'll get a fancier radio and oh, let's get a roof rack, what the heck.
1: <laughs> You're quite right. However, uh, there's one warning here. Mm. I started life at Ford Motor Company way back and um, <laughs> by chance I met up this last week with I wish I could remember his surname, Paul, but he's the president of Physita, um so you can find out who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is an ex-Ford top executive, and he was telling us, unfortunately for the car salesman, that the new generation of young are no longer looking on the car as anything other than a commodity. Now, I'm one of those people, and probably lots of your listeners are, that the car is a sort of, not a status symbol, but it, it explains a lot about you. Mm. It's something that you bought and you, you – it, it's, it's something you take a pride in ownership But he was saying that now people are are deciding to put their money into other things, and this is affecting car sales. So you know, which is which is sad, really. There are there are people now, certainly in London, who think I am not going to buy a car, and they rely on bicycles and public transport, bus, train, you know, the tube, etc. My generation loved cars, but the, the market has changed on cars, and people no longer seem to be really have to buy that. But to, but going back to the tipping point, in fact, um, uh, we just have discovered that you need to fade messages in, and the book covers this, um, six different channels. Mm. You really have got to, before people reach the tipping point, there are six message points which uh, you need to actually... Um, cover the first one is you need to have some hook on which people can build on now that if it's a ford car there's the ford logo um if furniture firms of course there are all sorts of other brands and so on but the brand needs to have just and that's achieved just through advertising the second thing is people need to expect a relationship with a brand and and may ask questions about does this bit of furniture work this way does how does the car do what does happens and so on so you need to have some form of relationship with them Thirdly, people seek other people's views. And, of course, um, they have friends. You can do word of mouth. But but actually, um, social media is now really taking this on. And and you have got to keep in touch with social media. But you've got to guide it and steer it. You can't actually... control it. It's in, uncontrollable. And of course, uh, celebrities, experts can deliver persuasive... Uh, well, of course, journalists like yourself can. I'm yeah. sure lots of people who listen into your program do so because they're really keen to, to get a, a, a leap ahead of the rest. Mm. Um, then, of course, there's local media also can prompt on the way to a store, on a website. Um, it, it's well understood in UK. I mentioned the CTN, the Confectionery, Tobacconist and News Agent. Mm. Here, as you head into one of these little shops. Every wall, floor, door, surface space is covered with brands so that it reminds you the sort of kind of thing. And then, of course, at the point of sale itself, there should be messages. It's often on the packaging and it all triggers the shopper's subconscious mind, which is, of course, what actually decides generally. And then, of course, the final decider, which is my real expertise, is uh, a promotion Mm-hmm. Um, sales promotion, money off, free extra fill, three to the price of two, or it's some other premium offer or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. those are the sort of things. And and the book follows the framework, and I've got chapters on the the six message inputs that you actually need before people will come to the tipping point. They, they won't go in and buy something, for example, unless they have got other people's views. They want to know both from the point of view of, do I... Um, Is it valuable? Is it beneficial? And so on. But some people, will it raise my social credibility, my status and so on? And to some people that matters. And you have to understand the person in front of you as to know whether you can do that
0: or not. I want to dig into the book a little bit here because, you know, there's so much information and I wanted to ask you, uh, what's the best way to approach the book? Is it a book that you should read cover to cover or can you get away with jumping into the section that you think is relevant?
1: Well, um, you need to read the first part. Mm. Um, I, I actually am a great believer in skim readings. I believe that you can actually... Uh, skim read books and um, that's what I do mm. um, you know picking out the bits are important obviously I, I think the first um, couple of chapters which really set the scene are important I've written a chapter on creativity because actually the one way to get a communication noticed is to be creative I really do believe this very interesting We I belong to a thing called the debating group and we hold debates in the houses of parliament and the next one we have in january is on whether technical analysis or creativity is more important in marketing hmm. uh, for me the former is just purely a mechanism for delivering and receiving shopper buyer product and service understanding whereas creativity is the key um, it, it, to being noticed it, it, it's an over messaged world and 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 i try to suggest how to encourage creativity how to get something because um, what you're doing with a promotion, I go back to thing, is you're trying to decide initially and then get them to do it who you want to do what. Mm. That's what, you, what a promotional marketing thing is about. Who do you want to do what? Um, so... I mean, I've got a chapter on suppliers, and that's purely just covering the um, uh, you know sources of information. Now, of course, obviously, you don't need to read that, but if you need, and I'm sure in the USA you've got similar supplier providers, agencies, handling houses, depending on whether you you need fulfilment, those sort of kind of things. And um, you know, there's a chapter there. Skim it, or even just just ignore it, unless it's you know you really need help and you mm. need. And know that there are specialist printers you know for we, rubbing off something or other um i then there's a section on the book covering the five what are the what i would call the standard um promotions mm-hmm. you there's off the shelf you can do a prize promotion a price promotion a joint and a premium ah for those who are doing startups or entrepreneurs i strongly recommend joint um promotions that is I know, if you're selling, uh, let's think of an example, if you're selling an electric kettle, well, g- uh, get your flyers distributed and get into bed with um, people who supply electricity. You know, I mean, they send out bills with um, to people and invoice them for the electricity they've used. So just add a little thing saying, and here's an electric kettle because they're being, ele- you know, I mean, the one links with the others. Mm-hmm. Same with water companies also would go with, always go for joint promotions. It's really good.
0: I want to jump in just for a second because I just remembered that the banks used to give away a toaster when you open an account. I don't know if they did that in England. That's a bit of a disjointed. Now, what the heck does a toaster have to do?
1: Now, banks, you might give away, I don't know, calculators. It should be relevant. It should should, some sort of link. Toasters, uh, no, I can't see. that. I I mean, if I was selling bread, I might um, uh, add a toaster in or something like that or, or with bakers, you know. But you get the
0: idea. Yeah, but I'm okay. So, but I'd like to dig down in this a little bit. Do you think it's a fundamental flaw in the uh, in the business? You'll have the marketer, you have the CEO, and they're throwing ideas around. Are they just throwing ideas around willy nilly, or is somebody like yourself, an expert, stepping in and say, "Look at guys, we have to be relevant. We have to be in. uh, We have to be original. Or this is just a waste of time." Do people still not understand that you have to have an expert in the room?
1: People still do not understand, and and, um, as I was trying to explain by telling you that only twenty-two percent analyse their customers, and Mm. in UK, and um, sixty-one percent of retailers, as I said, um, do not assess the effectiveness of the um, the communications that they're putting out. I mean, it's crazy, really. But why? well, because uh, we don't know why, they just don't do it. Uh, so I think there was a. I used to, there's an organization here called the IPA, the Institute of Practitioners in Advertising. So all the advertising people live there. And for many years, I would go along and meet the chief executive there and say to him, hey, come on, you know, you should be measuring effectiveness. Uh, I'm uh, sorry, I should backtrack a bit. My first marketing book, published in 2000, was on how to measure marketing. And I tell him how to do it, and he'd say, no, 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 it's much better to use the money that you might have used on measuring um, uh, to actually uh, get uh, put in another ad- advertisement, you know, more advertising, not that. Anyway, after many years, um, he did eventually say to me, okay, you win, you're right. And um, about four or five years ago, and he said, we are now going to start doing it. Well, of course, part of the problem was the financial people were saying, I'm sorry, all you marketing people are just spending money, and um, we can't prove anything. And they, they are beginning to hold sway, particularly during the last recession. And so marketers are now having to prove much more um, that they can actually uh, justify the spend on it. And that is that – is, um, it's proving very interesting i'm you know i'm delighted actually what I do is when i'm telling I do include a sum of money I don't spend it all on whatever a sum of money is there to chase marketing effectiveness and i uh, I could talk this a whole whole um, another of your broadcasts i should think because the um, it's essential to know how effective it is and if it is not effective you should not do it but, but time and time again, you see people say, "Oh, we've always had a sale then. And you say, yes, but it doesn't, it's the wrong time. And yeah, no, but we've always... And they will do these things and the marketing. I did research for a firm here um, of people who are in the marketing support service, They're a firm of accountants who specialize in marketing agencies and so on. And for them, the research I proved that actually marketing people were not... Um, doing anything, they left it all to their agents and agencies. So whereas I, I was horrified by this because marketing people should set their own budgets and actually analyze everything
0: at themselves. But uh, it wasn't happening. Well, you know, what's interesting is that uh, you mentioned testing. And I've really noticed in the last five years, everybody uses the word A-B testing. I wanted to ask you because this is one of the big things in the book is like, once you have done the testing and you have a much better idea who you're talking to, what should you do next?
1: The last part of the book does cover measurement and so on. But one of the things you could usefully do and is happening here is – and, and uh, the other book, Shoponomics, does discuss in great detail the need for a data analyst, a promotional marketing expert, a social media responder, um, and the need to measure the effectiveness. Because if you don't actually do that um, – it, can I give an example here? We're very interested and have been doing a lot of research for some years into why Tesco has been doing so badly and, for example, why we have uh, German shops called Lidl and Aldi here, and they're doing rather well. And, of course, the um, result of the research shows if you go into um, a Tesco store – They're standard items there. Everything is standard and they're stocked in a certain way. They often run out of stock, but that's neither here nor there because what they don't do is what Little and Aldi do is you go into their shops and they've clearly analysed their local purchasers. Their their shoppers in their store buy this, this, this. An analysis of the E-squared what who is buying what, um, turns up uh, the answers for... Uh, you know what you should stock and very interesting i have visited little in three different places two quite close together in a part of london the other in the country side and they are totally stocked in 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 a completely different way and they match their local shops so first of all you you need to actually uh, match your shoppers with your products that you sell um, we have uh, another supermarket here, Waitrose, and they don't um, they central ticket. So all the um, uh, promotional stuff is produced centrally, and this the stuff arrives in source. So you go along and you say, Hang on, I want to try this. It's, it's You're offering it as a promotion. And they, they say, Oh, well, no, we've never had that. No, the tickets are produced centrally, but we don't actually stock those items. And here's Here's a funny thing. But but it, but that is the sort of kind of thing here. So all I'm saying is you've just got to get down to give your store manager a lot of uh, authority and and responsibility uh, so that they can actually make decisions and say right my local shoppers buy this and this and this they don't buy that and that and that I don't need to have it and stopped.
0: You mentioned this the the need for data and. Data mining is, is becoming a really big thing and it's becoming way more cost effective. Do you think uh, larger organizations should be taking the data in a central area and, say, and then going to the shop manager and saying we're seeing some patterns like everybody, this type of ice cream seems to be very, very popular so we want to do a promotion for that particular uh, ice cream instead of asking the manager to have to think about it? Or should it be a, uh, like, almost like a partnership?
1: There's two things about this. First of all, we the, the you have to have central uh, have to allow the local shop to analyze the data that is held centrally. It's no good having it centrally because they don't do anything with it very much, uh, except that what they could do with it. And we have done a lot of work on this, and we have researched the. Um, for large chains of shops, you know, several hundred around the country, we can point out which are their core stores, which are the stores that make real money for them. And, and it's staggering how they haven't themselves done this. And we can see quite clearly these are the core stores, in which case, but, but equally, well, as I go back to, you've got to make sure that the core stores have the right team in place, and i outlined who those might be, so that the store manager has got the necessary Uh, information with which to then go ahead. And, of course, they can trend analyze as well. They can see um, this product is going out of fashion, less and less of it, and so on. And this is going, you know, being bought more, in which case they stock more. But but they should also have some... analysis of what their shoppers are actually buying in the old days we used to do um analysis by um forums uh, you know where you get in people and ask them but of course that's flawed because they tend to worry about the poor old researcher and say uh, answer questions matching what they think the person wants to hear whereas analysis now the clever clever way of doing is analyze social media We're doing a lot of that, and I'd love to spend longer talking about it. My other book covers this in great detail. um, But actually, you can analyse what people think um, of a uh, brand, a store... By analysing shopper market, uh, by analysing social media, and we do this with Twitter, with Facebook, and so on. It's staggering to see. We produce something called a brand gram now, and the brand gram explains, for example, a product like Marmite. I don't know if you know. It's a yeast-based um, thing which people spread on it's bread. It's very strong. It's very strong. You either love it or hate it. <laughs> but if you analyse that, it's brand gram. It, it, you can get a sort of chart which shows the people, people actually think love and they think uh, mother and so on. And these are the words they use on um, social um, media to actually ex- express their views of it. Absolutely staggering. And, and equally well, you get them looking at somebody like Tesco, and we've done a brand gram on them, and they hate Tesco because its sales staff are poorly trained. It's always um, not stocking items that people want to buy. And that really makes people unhappy. And really unhappy, it's more than... Well, you, could, you imagine if you go into a store and, and you're looking for something you expect them to have and they say, oh, sorry, it's, it's, it's we're out of stock, you probably get a little bit unhappy about that we can actually show how unhappy people can be in fact it really puts off oh i haven't got the figure to hand at the moment but some quite a large percent something like 15% may never go and shop in that store again purely because it didn't have stock but what going back to yes you can you can do an awful lot of analysis now on social media and come up with some very interesting results what you then do is you then go and say to the brand manager or the um, uh, retail, you know the the retailer or whoever it is, supplier, and you say, right, this is your brand gram. We've got this from analysing shoppers and so on. What's your brand gram? And he says, why? Well, I'm, I'm, well, I thought I was doing this, and you say, well, clearly you've got a mismatch. So you they you then got to get them. The brand manager has then got to do advertising. Got, got to change opinions, and you've got to get so that social media then match what he wants the brand to look like.
0: You know, we, you have mentioned the different types of sales techniques, uh, the different types of offers as far as uh, marketing promotion. And we know uh, different promotions should be used at different times to different types of stores. Is there a magic bullet?
1: Well, I get, um, you know, people, people look on me and say, sort of silly old man or something like that. I don't know, but, I go up and down the King's Road and we at the moment, the King's Road is fascinating because for a time it'll be full of shoe shops and then it'll be real estate and so on. At the moment, it is absolutely full of personal products and and nails, um, hair salons, um, but particularly what I would call the sort of cosmetics and, and stuff that you need to, you know, treat your skin and so on. Loads of those shops and what they're doing is standing outside um, producing little samples. This is the cream that will make you look young again. This is the something, and little packets of samples. And I say to them, because I've always said to people, if you're doing a promotion, don't just give out one of these things, give out two, for example. So, gener- as a generality, for people who are trying to dish out samples, for cosmetics and things like that try this face cream, try that etc try this toothpaste and so on. don't give one give two why first of all it ge- makes you look generous mm-hmm. so people then think oh this is a generous lot of people but secondly what people do is they use the thing throw it away and think oh that was good wonder what it was and they can't remember well, you give them two then they've got the second one to remember and go back to you and, and, and buy it you know what i mean and the th- the the next thing, of course, is that even if they don't use it themselves, they will hand it on to somebody else. Hey, this is rather good. Try it, and they will. So, th- there are some items that you can have standard um, promotions for. But but if you really need help, then you need to go back to the chapters in my book, which will explain how to implement promotions, how to which kind of promotion to use when. Because, uh, and that's, like I said, there are five standard promotional offers and mm-hmm. covers those. And you need to think, what, what, will, what will trigger the right kind of response? Um, people here, for example, for things that are used when people, you know, breakfast cereals, breakfast sort of things like that, and, you, and, and are probably family related, then you need good family uh, rating and the book has a lot of um, case studies where I cover this sort of mm. kind of thing, so you can see. Well, it, it might be worth you know, I mean, holidays or something like that. There are a whole lot of off the shelf things. Mm. Uh, uh, I, I mentioned joint promotions, but premium promotions are often away. People, for example, with Marmite do like um, those who like Marmite, really love it, and of course, they will go for premium offers on Marmite. You can have a Marmite mug, you can have a, a, a silver. Um, Marmite jar holder. Um, um, you know, I mean, there's a whole lot. People, uh, the, the great thing about a premium offer, a promotional offer, is that both you and the person, the shopper benefit because they can buy something from you at a price which is less than they would pay on the high street for it or online or wherever, whereas it's uh, in between that price and, of course, you the retailer is selling it at a price when they still make a slight profit but not the normal profit that they would look for so everyone benefits and of course the great thing is that your item premium item is is around the place it's mm. you know sitting there advertising in the home or in the office your product and it's very powerful
0: hmm. I want, I wanted to talk about this because you, you have mentioned you, you made something very funny, that silly old man walking down the high street, looking at windows and chatting with people and giving off free advice. But, you know, you've been in this game a long, long time. You have an incredible amount of knowledge. When you put this book together, and you've got many books out there, but when you put this particular book together, what was your aha moment? When did something really crystallize for you and say, wow, that is a real truism?
1: Well... For this book, uh, I knew that um, this book is replacing one called Sales Promotion, which was the fifth um, edition of it, and I'd written the previous um, ones, you know, updating it each time. And the previous sales edition, um, uh, five, Sales Promotion edition five, was had become quite out of date because it wasn't taking account of. The, the six message channels points that I made and the other discovery which is that, that, that people use their subconscious and we've now got can confirm that and they really do set up inside their brain um, uh, a whole lot of information and and it's triggered when you go into a shop and you actually or, or, or online or something like that and or somebody talks about it and you add information to the the hook that's inside your brains on your subconscious. So when you're um, in a shop and you're walking, and in fact, we've done a lot of research on uh, the time people spend in shop and decision-taking and so on. People um, in in very few minutes will spend, will buy 47 items and you actually calculate that you've got about 1.45 seconds to actually get a person to make a decision. People aren't going to make decisions on looking at a thing and so on, unless, of course, you're very creative and manage to catch their eye. You know, creativity is it. Um, but if you haven't done that, then they will rely on their subconscious, what we brought before, what other people have told us. I go back to the six message points. And that, will, the subconscious will bring forward that and make the decision for you. Because we're too busy. We're too... Uh, and so on. I, I mean, it's very interesting. I've got... Um, a son who, his wife is a very busy lady, so if he wants to be fed, he goes around the supermarket himself. He hasn't time to think about it, so his view is to actually just, um, I will buy by promotions, sales promotions, because they're in store. And this has got something here, and that is selling that with that, you know, and so on. And that's, make, he makes all his decisions as he goes around, uh, just purely on promotions.
0: I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, different types of of shopping experiences because I look at something like a mall as a massive promotional device. And it it seems to draw lots and lots and lots of kids. And you have these huge malls, uh, basically uh, an enclosed shopping zone that Young kids love to go and spend hours and hours and hours just hanging out, and it becomes part of their culture. Is this a long form where they figure those kids are going to get jobs in the future and they're going to come back to the mall because they're just, they feel comfortable there?
1: Well, malls are very interesting. Um, it, it's an interesting fact that 10% of the UK population is in retail and 12% of training courses and so on are for retail so it's big business now loads of people don't realize just how large it is and of course they end up because they can't do anything else in um, out-of-work actors well-known as experiential marketing people you know they are very good at um, telling a tale and selling things and so on there's all sorts of people do it and of course young do it all mine did it before they did their year off and so on uh, to to make the money to afford it because we were hard parents we decided that we would uh, they could have their year off but but they had to uh, have earned the money to 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 fund it you know we put in the safety net of insurance and a flight ticket back should they need it but um, none of them did and and that helped but malls you see um, it's very interesting we found that malls are preferred in this country because the high street is dangerous there are cars. Uh, people, you know, the, the pavements aren't very wide, whereas people much prefer. Uh, you, it, it's quite staggering how much they prefer not having to worry about traffic and so on. The next thing is we're discovering here that curving miles are superior shopping re- arenas than re- re- rectangular ones, you know, straight lines and all the rest of it. Um, and it was interesting because that was the one thing I did look at in in big Hawaii, There's a delicatessen supermarket in one of these um, special purpose-built places there for holidays and so on. And the the layout was quite different different to the typical UK store. And I saw much more catching the shoppers' eye. And, of course, they were buying more because here everything was curved, curved islands of products, and you had to manoeuvre your way. You couldn't go straight through. And in UK we have straight aisles, and I think... People get mesmerised. They don't like it, and so on. And I think curving miles are going to be much more. But um, you know, the yes, let, let's put it this way. I think the we're having a great debate here about the young and the young spending too many hours not doing any physical exercise as we all used to do. You know, you go out and kick a ball and so on, or throw a ball. And um, they, they, they do haunt round because it's there are not many places they can go which are warm and cosy and so on. Especially at this time of year.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you definitely get out of the weather. I wanted to ask you, you know, for all our, our uh, different people that listen to the show, what advice would you give them for them to make them better promotional marketers?
1: Well, um, we've had uh, this debate a lot, and I am um, very sad to report that in uh, within the M25, which is our big circular motorway, uh, we actually did an analysis and found 250,000 people had marketing in their job title and uh, we actually analyzed um, the number of real marketers the people who had got um, a qualification and so on it, it was about 4 thousand yeah. and so um, that gives you some idea you you know that the are very few people who, uh, you know, you do need to use somebody who really understands marketing. It makes such a difference. Let me give you another view. Um, I, I go to, I give um, uh, seminars at, on tr- uh, trade shows to retailers and so on. And afterwards, I give um, free, uh, what do we call them? Anyway, I give a free consultation for 15 minutes of mm. people come along. And it's it's um, it's awful how bad they are and how they're missing so many opportunities. We, we had a particular r- retailer, I knew the f- shop and he has they've got seven shops in all the right towns in UK selling eclectic goods and um, they were asking, is 70% discounting bad for the business? I was horrified I said, yes, very bad. Uh, why are you doing it? Well, their shop manager said everybody else in the King's Road was doing it and I said, right, um, it, the can I just ask you a few questions? Are either of you two directors, the sole directors, in, 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 trained in marketing? No. Is your shop manager? No. Have you ever done a custom analysis? No. So after the thing, I, a little bit later, I went along and I did. I knew people who bought from this. And I said, what do you think of their 70% discounting? And they said, We're, it's crazy. We're happy to buy it at the full price. And I asked several people and that was it. Anyway, cut the long story short, that shop went to the wall. Now, I when I um, do have clients of mine operating trade stands at retail shows and you say, well, how's it going? And they say, oh, it's fantastic. Thank you, Roddy. They're usually about three times the number of... Um, uh, you know, orders they were expecting is because I train them in how to sell mm. at, at at trade shows, and they they say to me literally, they say to me, Roddy, please, 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 will you go out and help these others? We can't bear to see how badly they are selling yeah. and how badly they have marketed things because they, um you know you see large great displays where all the stuff is written so small. I analyse that in a trade show you have three kinds of people who come round. You have owner buyers, you have buyers and then you have uh, sort of gophers who are just the buyer sends round. You have to treat each in quite a different way and, and therefore you've got to fact find, qualify very quickly, you've got to get some sort of starter where where you actually can get, get a person talking in a free and relaxed mani- manner. You know, some lines, uh, we change them each day. Some lines such as, oh, I see you're looking at that, one of their products, uh, and so on. That was our bestseller, you know, these last six months. Uh, you know, do, you, do what do you sell? Do you sell, you know, and they then you've started to dialogue mm. on something which is not threatening. You're not saying... Buy or you know, you know who the hell are you and all the rest of it. But you then very quickly fact find and qualify the three kinds of, of people going round a trade show. If you've got the golden opportunity to sell, if you um, have got an owner, buy uh, you know they own the store for which they're buying. If you've got a buyer, you've got a very hard job because you've got to give him enough ammunition so that when they get back, the person they're buying for the you know is persuaded that they've made the right choice because they're they're dead worried you know will I be hung for buying this or something like that Mm -hmm. and if you've got a runner you have got to make them your salesman you've got to load them with absolutely everything you can every bit of literature and so on so that when they go back to the buyer the buyer thinks oh I better go along and have a look
0: (laughs) we've been chatting with Roddy uh, promotional marketing how to create implement and uh, integrate campaigns that really work Roddy thank you very much for coming on the show
1: bob i can't thank you enough
0: hey i hope you enjoyed that show and do me a favor and tweet about it follow us on facebook if you haven't done that already we really appreciate it see you next week